morning, family. It is uh, great to be with you this morning. Um, my name is Chris, and I'm on stage with my lovely wife, Gudrun. Um, we've been with Every Nation Church, we're just thinking, just over th almost 30 years. Is that uh, right? Yeah, we started uh, with Every Nation in Rosebank, and uh, we've been part of the church plant in New York many years ago, and we've been part of this family now for seven years. So it's our privilege to be here with you this morning. Um, you're used to seeing either Pastor Andrew or Pastor Carol up here. They have had a long year, and I think that they all deserve a rest. Amen? So they are down on, on holiday, and, um, and they've asked us to step in this morning. So be patient with us as we take you through the message this morning. You know, you very rarely see um, both Pastor Andrew and Carol on stage, two people together, because you have this temptation to keep finishing each other's. Sentences. Oh, I was going to say sandwiches. Oh, sorry. Um, but uh, it is difficult to do a, a, a duet up here, but um, we're looking forward to taking you through the message this morning. So on behalf of Andrew and Carol, well, we just want to say you're welcome, and uh, we pray that you enjoy this this morning. Do you want to open in prayer? Before I do, mm. I've got two things. I'd like to make an announcement for anybody looking to host anybody at Christmas or anybody looking to celebrate with someone this Christmas who's got nowhere to go. If you would please go to the information table and share your details with them there. They will be contacting you tonight or by the latest tomorrow morning, and you will have some famous fellowship at Christmas to enjoy. Secondly, um, I'd just like to honor Pastor Carol and Andrew for giving us this opportunity to minister. It is an awesome privilege to be here with you this morning, and I'd uh, just like to honor them because this is their place. This is their space, and they've honored us with this. So thank you so much, Pastor Carol and Andrew. Now we're going to pray. Shall we close our eyes? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your presence here, Lord. We thank you that you love us so much, that you came to be with us, Lord Jesus, that you came to show us that we belong to your kingdom, that we are part of light, Father God. We are part of your kingdom. We are chosen, Lord Jesus. And I just ask that every heart, every mind, every soul would be touched by your word this morning as we humbly express what we've prepared, that you would put your weight on it and put your indelible thing, fingerprints on it and share your heart with this beautiful audience in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, if you were here last week, you would have heard Pastor Weller speak from Luke 2, and um, he shared the different characters of Christmas, the different people that make up the cast of, of Christmas. And one of those was John the Baptist. And if you remember John's the me message was, Prepare ye the way, for a little baby is coming who will be born in a manger in a town of Bethlehem. And this little baby will be displayed in shops and churches for generations to come, causing joyous celebrations and much gift giving. Beware, you will find many drunk people having celebrations over this period, which could become wild and unruly. Hide your credit cards. Be ready to put on a lot of weight. Don't say, we didn't warn you. Uh, honey, I don't think it says that. So what we're going to do is we actually going to look oh, okay. at what, is, yeah, what it says in Mark, you know? And what it says in Mark 1.15, just for the record, is um, the beginning of the good news about Jesus, that the Messiah, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way, a voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him, confessing their sins. 
they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. Now that makes more sense, guys. Amen. It is astounding that the birth of a baby boy in a manger 2,000 years ago is still causing so much commotion the world over today. Every time you check your calendar, refer to a date, or write it down, you're using Jesus Christ as your reference point. Because of Jesus, time has been divided into two halves, B.C., before Christ, and A.D., Anno Domini, in the year of our Lord. Every event on your calendar and every date that you refer to is dotted and made, um, dated, actually, in days and years from the time that Jesus worked, walked the earth. Even your birthday is dated by his birthday. That's true, but sadly, in our modern times, modern Christmases seem to have forgotten about what the real purpose of Christmas is all about. When Jesus is included, he's part of an overall mix, which I will get, the, oops, I will get these slides correct. So why don't you go back one, Brian? Thank you. What is, so what is Christmas to you? That's the next slide. Thank you. What is Christmas to you? Is it about Christmas trees? Is it about a gifts and a feast? Is it about Santa Claus? Is it about baby Jesus? And you know, in our modern times, it tends to be all of these things mixed up together. And so, you know, Jesus can often be there, but he's often part of the mix of many other elements of Christmas. And so this morning, we really want to make sure that we are focused on what the purpose of Christmas is. And so, because Andrew could not be here today, we have prepared a call for all of you on behalf of Andrew. And this call is to call the congregation to consider correcting the current counterfeit crazy commercialized Christmas culture and the customs of commemorating clauses, candy, costly cash costs, carnal consumptions, and cute cradles to correctly celebrate a Christmas concentrated on the celestial communication of Creator Christ, His cause, and the cross. Well done, my babe. There is a, a copyright by a clever clergyman behind. So Philippians 2, verse 5 to 11, summarizes his course for us very, very well. Your attitude should be that is the same of Christ, Jesus, who being the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and in the appearance of man, he humbled himself unto death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place in heaven, giving him the name above all names, that at his name, the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. The invisible creator, immaculately conceived Emmanuel child, stayed not in the infant's, infant's cradle, but arose to become the infinite Christ. Jesus, the eternal God and creator, with the Father, since the very beginning, did not leave his eternal glory to be remembered as sweet little baby Jesus in a cradle surrounded by soft sheep and beautiful angels singing and, you know, 
lovely, adoring shepherds. That is exactly where the world wants us to leave him, including Satan. That's his plan. But Jay-Z, baby Jesus in a cradle is not convicting, is it? Very cute, right? Not convicting. He doesn't make any demands on us to change our lifestyle. Yet, let's consider. When we celebrate the birth of anybody famous, we consider them not only because they're born, but for what they did, right? So let's have some examples. Let's consider Abraham Lincoln, or Mozart, or Madiba, or Sister Mother Mary Teresa, Sister Teresa, okay? When we celebrate his birthday, we don't just celebrate that he was born. We celebrate the purpose for which he came and what he accomplished, right? Amen. So let's have a look together um, at, at Luke again, where we, we preached from last week, or Pastor Luella did. And let's have a look. What was the purpose of Jesus coming? And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone all around them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord, and this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloth and lying in a manger. So when we see this, this image, right, of these shepherds out in the field, you know, it reminds me this time of year, I don't know about you, but I, I love going to the game reserve um, or going to, uh, whether it's the Kruger or somewhere else, around October, November. Do you know why? Because there's lots of little baby animals running around. There's baby wildebeest and baby zebra. They're all trying to find their feet, okay? Sometimes you see a lion cub, that's amazing. And so the reason I raise that is that sometimes people ask us, is this the day that Jesus was born? Was it the 25th of December or wasn't it? And so we know that it actually wasn't the 25th of December. It was probably closer to May, all right? Because this is the time of the year in the spring when the baby lambs were born. And this is the time where the shepherds were outside looking after their flocks, making sure that the, the lambs at their most vulnerable were protected right through the night. So he was probably, truthfully, born around about the time of May. So this morning, before we get into the, the message of, of Christmas, we just wanted to clarify this point, that it actually wasn't until about AD 350, when December 25th was declared the official date of Christmas by Pope Julius I. And when the fathers of the church first considered the date, they said, it's a time of celebration, it's a time of joy, it's a time of coming together. And the date happens to coincide with the winter solstice. Okay? In fact, there were some religions that were practicing the worship of the sun or the rebirth of the sun over this time, over the 25th of December. And so the, the Pope at the time decided this would be the date of celebration. It's a time of worship already. So how do we take those people, those pagans, and convert them into a practice of worship but not only to the sun, but to the creator of the sun. And so the 25th of December is not actually the day that Jesus was born, but it is the day that we choose to come together because of this element of Christmas, of worship, of celebration.
We know that the word Christmas comes from the Old English Christus Masse, which means Christ's Mass. One theologian wrote in the 300s, the early 300s, the mode of observance would be characteristically worshipful. We would hold this day holy, not like the pagans because of the birth of the Son, but because of him who made it, the birth of the one and only Son of God. And so this morning we're going to talk about what is the purpose of Christmas, and uh, over to you. So the first purpose of Christmas is celebration. Remember Chris said in the word it says, I bring you good news of great joy for all the people. You see, there are three purposes embedded in this part. Number one, it's personal. I bring you. Number two, it's positive. News of great joy. And number three, it is universal for all people. You see, Jesus with, this, with his power and his glory and his finest grace came and gave us a gift that no person in this room or anyone in the world ever deserved his life for our sins, whether we deserved it or not. It doesn't matter where we came from, what we did, where we were going to, what we had done. This is good news for anyone, especially us. So, we're going to talk about three aspects about Christmas. Number one. God loves you. God is with you. And God is for you. Amen. So let's look at this first aspect. Next slide. Of God loves you. And the most famous statement that we know in the Bible from John 3.16 is why God sent Jesus to earth. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him shall not perish, but will have eternal life. You know, the entire purpose of Christmas is love, right? It's an expression of God's love. It's, you know, it was Wayne was sharing this morning. This is how God has demonstrated his love for us. He loves us so much that he came to earth to, um, as a human to get to, to know him, that we could learn and observe the way in which Jesus walked, he talked, and we could understand how he was connecting with us. You know, God has given us a capacity to love him even more than animals can, right? The Bible says that we were created in God's image. So we were created in his image for a personal relationship. This is not just a distant relationship. God wants to know each of us personally. And he took the time to send Jesus to earth so that we could truly understand his love and our need for him. You know, God must really, um, you know, enjoy watching us enjoy what he's created. I mean, if you think about it for a way, for a little bit, um, God gave us taste buds, right? He didn't have to do that. But he gave us taste buds, and then he filled the world with all sorts of wonderful flavors like chocolate and cinnamon. And mm, like, I'm getting hungry. Eh? <laughs> We're making you hungry. Yes. This reminds me, you know, when I listen to 947 in the morning and they start eating donuts or something. I think it's like the worst thing. They're like, mm, mm, this is delicious. Mm, mm, mm. And I'm driving to work thinking, I don't need to listen to this. I'm getting hungry. And I changed the channel. But the point is God gave us taste buds so we could experience food, right? We could experience the joy of different flavors. He gave us eyes and, and filled the world with beautiful rainbow colors. And, and think of all the animals and the creativity in which God um, presented and, and creating all these animals. He gave us the ability to see and to enjoy and to understand through our vision what he has created. He gave us ears. 
and the ability to hear, right? To, to experience rhythm and music and sound. So if you just think about how God has created each one of us, it's quite experiential for us to be able to experience and enjoy this world that he's created for us, okay? And so in the same way, he wants you to experience the enjoyment of his love, yeah. right? In, in such a deep and rich way. He could have made the world tasteless, colorless, gray. Uh, gray, right? But he didn't. The Bible says God richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. He did not have to do it. But he did it, right? And until Jesus arrived, our understanding of God's love was quite limited. God invaded earth. He showed us the ultimate love by sending his son to earth. He designed the earth, and he knew how best to communicate to us. He knew that he needed to come down and communicate as a man to us. If God wanted to communicate to birds, he would have... Been a bird. Been a bird. If he wanted to communicate to cows... He would have been a cow. Exactly. But God wanted to communicate to us. And so he took on the form of a human and came down to earth. He didn't just send prophets and angels. We saw that he did that in the Old Testament. But he came in human form to communicate with us. That is what God did at Christmas. So just think about it. If God didn't want to love something, he would not have created it. Right? I mean, the ultimate purpose for creating you and I is to connect with us, is to love us. He made you in order to love you, to have a personal relationship for you. And you know what's amazing about this is that God's love is unconditional. It's unconditional. He loves you no matter how you are feeling today, whether you've had a good day, whether you've had a bad day. He doesn't care about your performance or your mood, okay, your actions or your thoughts. For you, for him, Excuse me. Even though you're changing, he's unchanging. His love is unconditional for you. Everything else in your lifetime will change. You will grow from an infant to an adult and into old age. But God's love will never change. It is infinite and will be the same today as it was tomorrow. And you know, it's so interesting because this really struck me. The foundation for this love is not based on your conduct. It's based on God's character. Right? It's not based on your conduct. It's based on God's character. It's who is he is and not what you have done. Uh, ultimately, Paul wrote in Ephesians that Christ's love is greater than anyone can know. Right? And I pray that you will be able to know that love. We put that scripture up there. And when you look at this, he says, I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with God's holy people. Power to do what? Power to grasp grasp how wide, how long, how high, and how deep is the love of Christ. Can you imagine? He's praying that we'd have the power and ability to actually understand how much Jesus loves us. Rick Warren concludes on this when it comes to Christmas. The potential problem with Christmas celebrations is that many people only think of Jesus as a baby. Their concept of him is that he's this cute, helpless newborn in his mother's arms. If Jesus had never grown up to do what he did, he would have had no power to transform our lives. But the baby born in Bethlehem did not stay a baby. He grew to manhood. He modeled us the life in the kind of life that pleases God. He taught us the truth. He paid for every sin we commit by dying on a cross, then proved that he was God and could save us by coming back to life. This is the good news. When the Romans nailed Jesus to a cross, they stretched his arms out wide as they could. 
With his arms wide open, Jesus was physically demonstrating, I love you this much. I love you so much it hurts. I'd rather die than live without you. The next time you see a picture of Christ on the cross, remember he's saying, I love you this much. If you go to the next slide, I think it's really important for us to know that we're not just up on stage saying these things. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves me. All right? So won't you say it with me? Jesus loves me. Let's do it again. Jesus loves me. That's right. Jesus loves you. And this is the purpose of Christmas. Thank you, my love. That was brilliant. We're now going to talk about God is with you. Always. Not sometimes. Not when you feel like it. Not when you're in a good mood or when you're having a particularly crappy day. He is always with you. Always. One of the names that Jesus is we celebrate at Christmas about Jesus is Emmanuel. It means God with us. It's no wonder that the angels said to the shepherds on the hillside, Do not be afraid. You lose your fear when God is near. Fear is an acronym for false evidence appearing real. How many times has that happened to us? We think something is going to absolutely overwhelm us, but really it's just like a partition. You put your hand through, you punch a hole through, and there it is on the other side. It's an apparition. It's false. It's completely breakable. And that's the power we have in Christ through his word. You see, many people often feel alone at Christmas. You might feel like Christ is not with you right now. But God's presence in your life has got really nothing to do with your feelings. You see, your feelings can be influenced by many things and are often unreliable. They are not right, definitely not real, but Christ is. And your feelings are often driven by many things. Hormones, lack of sleep, tension, stress, or just some bad pizza and not enough good coffee. <laughs> Can I get an amen? Yes. You see, if you palm your palms through the Psalms, you will find yourself at a place in Psalms 23 where it says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Then again, a little further, if you go to Psalms 118, it says, The Lord is with me. I will not be afraid. You set me in your presence forever. I abide in the joy of your presence. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. You may have been abandoned in life by parents, a spouse, your children, or even people you thought were your friends. Everyone has faced the pain and the heartache of rejection at some point. You may have even experienced the sting of racial or ethnical prejudice or gender bigotry or religious intolerance. But God never abandoned you. In fact, the Bible says God said, I will never leave you and I will never abandon you. One of God's greatest promises is in Isaiah 43, where it says, When you go through the deep waters, I will be with you. 
When you go through the rivers of difficulty, I, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. Can you see it? I am with you. So the final piece that we want to talk through is that God is for you. So we see that God loves you, God is with you, but the phrase for you is referred to often in the Bible. In fact, we see it when, at the Last Supper when Jesus says, this is my body which I'm given for you, right? Um, in Romans 8, which is up on the screen, it says, what then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. You know, sometimes we have a false perspective of who God is. We feel, some people feel that God is, you know, this cosmic creature who's looking down on us, trying to frustrate our plans. We have this plan and something gets in the way, and we have that plan and something gets in the way, and we want to make a movement and, and we feel criticized. That is not God at all. That's the enemy, okay? God is for you. We see in Jeremiah 29, 11, and 12, it says, For I know the plans I have for you, declare the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Amen? Amen. That's what God wants for you. He wants a hope and a future. He doesn't want to frustrate you. He doesn't want to get in the way of, of the good plans that he has for you. Nobody knows you better than God, and nobody loves you more than God does today. So, okay. so what you're saying is... I'm saying is that nobody loves you more than God. Like nobody? Nobody. Okay, right. just checking. So don't, so don't run from him, run to him. You're finishing my sandwiches again. Uh, sentences, okay. sentences, get it right. Okay. <laughs> you know, sometimes we fear God, and you spoke about that just a moment ago. What's interesting is that the word do not, or the phrase do not be afraid comes up 365 times in the Bible. Isn't that amazing? Hey? So that's one, do not be afraid for every single day of the year. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid of God. Do not be afraid of drawing close to Him. So why do people get afraid? Why aren't people running into the Father's arms? It's normally two things. Either a guilty conscience or ignorance of what God is really like. The Bible says there is no fear in love, but perfect fear drives out love because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. Brian, I think I put that up. Yeah, there we go. Thanks. So the one who fears is not made perfect in love. There's no fear in love. We can, we can draw close to the Lord. I want to close on this and say, you know, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world. Jesus is not here this morning to condemn you. He's here to save you. God is not mad at you. He's, in fact, mad about you. If you study the life of Jesus, we see that when you make a mistake, Jesus doesn't want to rub it in. He wants to rub it out. That's right. He wants to remove the sin from your life. He wants to erase those sins and the mistakes, the regrets and the failures. That's why in the first statement, we see the angel says, do not be afraid. Jesus came to save us, not to scare us, and that's the purpose, to celebrate. So as we close this morning, may this be a joyful time of celebration for you and your loved ones. Remember, this is good news of great joy that is for all people. It is for all of us. 
Every single one of us. Jesus came for you. Remember, Jesus loves me. He loves you. It is positive. It's good news of great joy, and it's for everyone. Jesus loves you. God is with you, and God is for you. Amen? Amen. Well, family, maybe you can stand with us as we, we close out this, this message this morning. And as we close this morning, I just ask you to, to bow your heads and, and join us in prayer. And Father God, as we come before you this morning, we just accept the blessing of your, of your kindness and your joy. We thank you, Father God, that you are seeking a personal relationship with each and every one of us. We praise you, Lord, for sending your Son, Jesus Christ, to walk among us on earth, to walk and talk with us and share with us, that we can experience your love and your kindness. Lord, I just pray for every person here this morning that we would experience a fresh revelation of how deep and how wide and how long is the love of God for each one of us. Thank you, Lord, that you love us not just as a group, but that you love us individually. And so with your, your eyes closed this morning, as we've been speaking and talking about Jesus, I ask you this question, do you know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior? Have you experienced his love, his kindness, his forgiveness for yourself? Or has he been baby Jesus, cute and cuddly in the cradle? Perhaps this morning is your opportunity to come before him for the first time and say, Father God, I recognize that I'm a sinner and I recognize that there is no way into your presence without accepting you as my Lord and Savior. And so this morning, we would like to invite you that if you've never made this prayer, if you've never come before the Lord and invited him into your heart to be Lord and Savior, then we invite you to do this this morning. So with all your eyes closed and your heads bowed, well, let's, let's say this together. Father God, thank you for sending Jesus to die for my sins. I come to you this morning and confess that I need you, that I need your salvation. Today, I ask you to forgive me. I choose to turn away from my ways and declare you my personal Lord and Savior. Fill me afresh with your power and presence. Amen. Amen. So if you can, if there was anyone here that prayed that for the first time, we would love to give you some material and just acknowledge um, this op that this is your your um, this moment that you've come into experience, Father, as your Lord and, and Savior, then I'd, I'd ask you to just raise your hand. If there's anyone here that for the first time made, said that prayer, why don't you just give everybody a round of applause? So if it is the first time, I would invite you to, to come up or after the service, we will ask Tobeka and one or two of the fire squad to be available if you want to come up for prayer or you want to come up and tell us about your first-time commitment, we've got some amazing materials for you. And, uh, and then you can go off and celebrate your Christmas Eve. So as we stand together, I'd like to just close with the um, Aaronic blessing. 
May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Merry Christmas, family.